morning, everybody. Good to see all of you from behind the screen here. Good to see you. Uh, today we are wrapping up our whole series on the Circle Maker. You go, ah, oh. but guess what? Today begins the, the history and how God is going to be with you. And we want to go back. If this is your first time here, uh, this is our part four. You're coming into the tail end of a movie, but it's okay. Uh, you can go back and watch the first three parts of the movie and get caught up. You can download it on uh, your, your, your podcast or your iTunes and, and listen to it. Some people have. And I believe we've got a YouTube channel. You can watch it there. And I want to give a shout out to all the people online. You've got some sick people home. Hope you feel better. Got some people traveling. Uh, but it's, it's good to see all of you here. And if you're here for the first time, we're really glad you're here. And I believe that today can be a tremendous blessing in your life if you'll play along and you'll work with us. I don't know what they took to get you here, if you had to get bribed uh, lunch or, you know, free Starbucks card or whatever, whatever it is. Trust me, it's going to be worth it. Uh, so I'm going to just a fast forward first four weeks, first three weeks. This is where we started. You know, we've been talking about prayer, and it's hard to pray to a God that you don't know. It's hard to pray to a God when you have a misconceived idea of how he feels about you and how he thinks of you. And so it's a very important for all of us to start from the beginning and look at, hey, what does God really think about you from his word? And here's what his word sums up and says, God is for you. He's not against you. He's for you. He wants to bless your life. He wants to work in your life. And how do you know that? Well, the best way you're going to know that is knowing the fact that Jesus died for you. He gave his life for you. And there's no clearer way to know that God is for you than, than what he did for us. The other thing, too, we looked at is we started a 21-day prayer habit. And I, I challenged everybody who's here to, to, to start a 21-day prayer habit chain. Now, I don't know how it's gone for you, but I want to encourage you, no matter how it's gone, if it's gone great, you know, got Ted and Lydia up here, they're walking circles around their neighborhood. It's been incredible. There's some incredible stories that we're going to share on the 18th of February at our regional devotional, but it's been amazing to see, and it's just the beginning of what God is going to do. But we encourage everybody to, to start establishing a regular prayer habit, and that you'll, you'll do that. And then another thing we talked about last week is Praying hard and what? Praying through. I need some audience participation because I'm not sure if you're awake or you need another pastry or what. What? Okay, play along with me. Okay, praying hard and what? Praying through. Praying through, what we talked about is you've got to push through. We talked about that at the Super Bowl game, you know, and obviously the Seattle Seahawks played through. Right? And that's the Denver Broncos saying totally, and they feel it. But when we pray, do we pray like we see people play? And it's so important not to give up on, on your prayers. And today we're going to be looking at, and it's huge, I'm so excited about today because we're going to be talking about praying is like planting. Praying is like planting. We live in a time in our society where people are thinking about the here and now all the time. I'll tell you a little story. There was a child who came to his grandmother in the kitchen and said, Grandma, I'm hungry. Uh, can I have a snack? And she asked him, how about some popcorn? He said, love that. So she gave him the bag, and, you know, he 
you know, savvy with technology, so he opened the bag and unfolded it, stuck it in the microwave, and there's a popcorn button, so he pushed the popcorn button and watched it cook in two minutes, 30 seconds on the microwave. And so he's watching, and the thing's turning around, and he's watching, and he's like, man, this is taking forever. You know, and the grandmom's watching him, and yeah, he's like, man, when's, come on, come on, come on, come on. You know, about a minute goes by, and he, oh, I can't believe how long this is taking, you know. And then about 30 seconds left, and the popcorn is just barely coming, and, he's, and the kid's freaking out. You know, come on, I can't believe it. And then finally, ding, it's ready, and popcorn's ready. And he's like, man, that took forever. And so grandmom's just watching him and saying, you know, I, I got to tell you a story about, you know, back in my day, how we would make popcorn. Because <laughs> the kid needed a little perspective. So back when we didn't have microwave popcorn, what we, what we did is we, we took a pan and we put it at the bottom of the pan with oil, and then we heated the oil, and you put two pieces of popcorn, two kernels of popcorn in there, and wait until it heated up, then you pour the rest of the popcorn in, and then you had to move it around. You had to jiggle the pan so that it wouldn't burn, right? And then, you know, you, when it starts popping, you gotta move it some more so that it won't burn. And then when it's done, you, you dump the popcorn into a bowl, and then if you wanted butter on your popcorn, you had to take another, another you know, cup or thing and heat up, the, heat up the butter, and then you pour the butter on the popcorn and you put the, the salt on the popcorn, and it's just, it comes out really awesome. And she asked her grandson, hey, would you like to make it the old-fashioned way sometime? Absolutely not, I got too much to do. <laughs> little kid said, and took off to his room. You know, take the whole day to do this. And you think about this story, and that's how we all are today. Because we're so used to having our devices, our food, our lives, instant, taking too long. In the same way we live our lives, guess how we pray? We expect immediate results when we pray. And because of that, we pray less. Because we don't have time to pray. And what we're going to look at today in the video that we're going to do, pray, we're going to see some amazing stories of how prayers are like planting. So, no popcorn here in the front part, in the back part, maybe. But let's watch the next video, part four, Prayer is Like Planting. Let's dim the lights and watch part four of the video. I may need some help from the back, guys, if you could uh, advance it one more, one more time. one more time and then one more time and that should do it perfect in 1799 Thomas Jefferson commissioned the Navy Yard it was the first dock in DC and Barracks Row became the first commercial street when I did my prayer walk around Capitol Hill 
I walked right down Barracks Row and right under a movie theater marquee. Well, I had no idea that it would become our seventh campus 15 years later. And I had no idea that long before I circled Capitol Hill, an evangelist named R.W. Schambach had circled this theater in prayer. Well, in 1960, Schambach was preaching a revival here in Washington, D.C., and he laid hands on what was then the Academy Theater, and he prayed this prayer, may this place always be used for God's glory. In 1962, Fred and Charlotte Hall purchased the Academy Theater for the People's Church, and the People's Church served this Capitol Hill community for 49 years. Then on June 1st, 2011, the People's Church handed the keys to National Community Church in what was a miracle for both churches. Well, I'll never forget our first service. The theater was packed all the way out the back door. And I don't know that I'd ever done this before, but I asked everybody just to raise their hands to worship God and to give them thanks for our new location. Well, my friend and the pastor of the People's Church, Michael Hall, was outside on the sidewalk looking in. And afterwards, he pulled me aside and said, Mark, I haven't had very many visions over the years, but I had one 10 years ago. He said, in my vision, I saw this place packed with young people with their hands raised to God all the way out the back door, spilling into the sidewalk. He said, I thought that vision was for us. Now I realize it was for you. Then he said, I believe you're the answer to the prayer that R.W. Schambach prayed 50 years ago. Well, it's hard to describe the feeling when you know that a 50-year-old prayer is being answered. But here's what I know for sure. Our prayers are like time capsules. You never know how or when or where God's going to answer them. But you can live with the holy anticipation. Why? Because God is preparing good works in advance and it's prayer circles that help us see and seize those divine opportunities. Well, one footnote. After signing the contract, I emailed a banker friend who had financed some of our properties. I'd recently told him about my prayer walk around Capitol Hill, so he knew that this was the fourth piece of promised land that we had purchased right on the prayer circle. Well, he jokingly said, are there any other properties you walk by that I need to know about? My half-joking response, I did walk by the Capitol. Well, toward the end of his life, Honey the Circle Maker was walking down a dirt road when he saw a man planting a carob tree. He questioned him, how long will it take this tree to bear fruit? Well, the man replied, 70 years. And Honey said, are you sure you'll live another 70 years to eat its fruit? Well, the man replied, perhaps not. But when I was born into this world, I found many carob trees planted by my father and grandfather. And just as they planted trees for me, I'm planting trees for my children and grandchildren. Genuinely praying for you. And there have been moments in my life when the Spirit of God has whispered to my spirit, Mark, the prayers of your grandfather are being answered in your life right now. When we pray, our prayers exit our four dimensions of space-time 
and you never know when the answer will re-enter the atmosphere of your life. Well, one of my favorite paintings at the National Gallery of Art is the larger-than-life portrait of Daniel in the lion's den by the Flemish artist Sir Peter Paul Rubens. Daniel 6 explains how Daniel landed in that lion's den. King Darius had passed a decree outlawing prayer, but that didn't keep Daniel from praying. It says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the window opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Well, I love the detailed description of Daniel's prayer posture and the nuances are not insignificant. It says that he prayed three times a day. He went upstairs, he got down on his knees and he opened a window toward Jerusalem. Well, it's the open window that intrigues me. Even when prayer was outlawed, Daniel didn't close the window to conceal his illegal actions. I mean, knowing Daniel, he probably opened the window a little bit wider and prayed a little bit louder. The question, of course, is why he opened a window towards Jerusalem in the first place. You know, it's not like God couldn't hear him if the window was closed. It's not like God's answer depended on whether he was facing north, south, east, or west. But facing Jerusalem kept Daniel pointed in the direction of his dream. His physical posture mirrored his mental posture. It was his way of staying focused. It was his way of keeping the dream front and center. It was his way of circling the promise. Let me talk for a few minutes about proximity and posture in prayer because I think they are important when it comes to drawing prayer circles. There's something powerful about being in proximity to the person or place or thing that you're praying for. Before we purchased the People's Church here on Barracks Row, I came over and I laid hands on the walls. I prayed circles around it. Even once we had purchased it, I laid hands on every one of these theater seats. Sometimes I'll go up into the balcony during worship and I'll just pray over our congregation. Proximity is a powerful thing, and so is posture. There's a reason why Scripture prescribes a wide variety of postures like kneeling, falling on your face, uh, the laying on of hands, or the anointing of the head with oil. Physical posture helps posture our hearts and our minds. Now, there's nothing magical about it, but there is something biblical about it. And I think Daniel's posture in prayer is what allowed God to position him in a place of political power. Daniel ranks as one of the most brilliant minds the ancient world has ever known. He had an unusual aptitude for both philosophy and science. He could explain riddles, solve problems unlike anyone in his generation, and no one could dream or interpret dreams like Daniel. But the thing that set him apart was not his IQ. It was his PQ, or prayer quotient. Daniel brought the Babylonian kingdom to its knees because he got on his knees before Almighty God. The ascendance of Daniel defies political science. 
but it defines the power of prayer. You see, prayer invites God into the equation, and when that happens, all bets are off. It doesn't matter whether it's the locker room or the boardroom or the classroom. It doesn't matter whether you practice law or medicine or music. It doesn't matter who you are or what you do. If you stop, drop, and pray, then you never know where you'll go, what you'll do, or who you'll meet. At the beginning of this series, I presented you with a 21-day prayer challenge. I told you to find a time and find a place to make a prayer appointment with God. Then I challenge you to circle a person or a promise or even a problem in prayer for 21 days. Here's what I didn't tell you. That prayer challenge was based on the book of Daniel. 21 days is how long it took Daniel to pray through to his breakthrough. In Daniel 10, an angel says to Daniel, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Well, this story is a unique insight into the realities of the spiritual realm. We know that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but this encounter fleshes it out. You see, the angel reveals the importance of praying through. Daniel's prayer was heard on day one, but it wasn't until day 21 that he experienced a breakthrough. He had to keep praying circles. Well, at critical junctures in my life, I've done something called a Daniel fast. Now, it's called a Daniel fast because it's inspired by and patterned after the fast that Daniel did at critical junctures in his life. The diet generally consists of fruits and vegetables and water, and it's typically done with a specific goal and a defined timeline in mind. It was a 10-day fast that kick-started Daniel's climb to political power, and it was a 21-day fast that ended with a spiritual breakthrough. I was actually doing a Daniel fast the day that I asked Pastor Michael Hall if he would sell us the People's Church. Well, what I didn't know until afterwards is that Michael was doing a Daniel fast at the same time. I think that's what it took for that double miracle to happen. The only way that double miracle goes down is if both of us had been fasting and praying. When you fast and pray in tandem, it's almost like getting on one of those moving sidewalks that gets you to your desired destination in half the time. You see, fasting has a way of fast-tracking our prayers. Because fasting is harder than praying, I think fasting is just a form of praying hard. You see, there's more than one way to draw a prayer circle. I think fasting is one form of circling. In fact, an empty stomach may be the most powerful prayer posture in Scripture. Even Jesus said that some miracles are not possible via prayer. Some miracles are only possible via prayer and fasting. Whether it's a big dream or a big decision, 
I often circle it with a fast. You know, maybe there's something that you've been praying for that you need to start fasting for. You need to draw a double circle by fasting for your children or fasting for a friend or fasting for your business. You know, few people prayed with more consistency or intensity than Daniel. And what makes his persistence in prayer so remarkable to me is that he knew that his dream of rebuilding Jerusalem wouldn't be fulfilled during his lifetime. He prayed toward the city that he knew he would never see with his physical eyes, but he saw it with his spiritual eyes. Daniel prophesied that it would take 77s or what amounted to 70 years, but he was dreaming big, praying hard, and thinking long. Well, I want to introduce you to one of my heroes, Michael Hall. Michael is the pastor of the People's Church, and he's 71 years old, but he has the spirit of Caleb. Well, the purchase of the People's Church, it was a double miracle, and I've told my side of the story, but let me let Michael tell the other side. Well, I think that by praying within a circle, whether it's a circle of an individual, or with your family, or with the church, gives you the faith to believe that God can do amazing things. I never thought that we would be able to do what we're doing in the church, that, that we would get a chance to survive. I was looking at the end of our ministry. This really is a double miracle because a year and a half ago, uh, the demographics of the neighborhood had changed and we found our congregation shrinking and we began to pray earnestly that God would do something. We had just remodeled the building but suddenly we were not reaching the people that we had before. We have a powerful praying church and a, a very active church, especially with young people, but we seem to have hit a brick wall. And about a year and a half ago, Pastor Mark Batterson and NCC came to us and asked us if we'd be interested in selling the church and that God had blessed them with a sum of money. And I said, absolutely not. We've just finished remodeling it, and if God can bless you, He can bless me. I didn't know that that was God sending the gift, but we went on for another year and uh, praying for some kind of help, some kind of direction from the Lord, and He came back in February of this year and made the offer again, in fact, made an extraordinary offer. So we talked about it and took it before the whole congregation and we suddenly realized this was God speaking to us. This was God bringing this gift to us. This was God saying to this, We're going to, I'm going to move your church and replant it. And Pastor Mark Batterson and the National Community Church, uh, the offer they made for our church was so much more than the church was worth. They said, we want to invest in your ministry. And when they said that, we just, my wife and I just cried. We couldn't believe it. And once it happened, then we needed a place to go. Most churches take four or five years to, for a building project. We had no idea. We knew about where we wanted to go, but we didn't know exactly. In a matter of weeks, we had found a place. And uh, we're still working to settle on this piece of property, which we will, and we will rebuild. And, place the church there. But in the meantime, we kept asking God to help us along every step of the way. And we keep seeing these miracles. It's not just the miracle that brought the two ministries together. A huge 
ministry with a small ministry, a young man <laughs> with an older man. But Pastor Mark said, we want you to stay at our church for as long as you need to stay so you can stay till you get your church built. So this miracle just keeps giving to us every step, every place that we turn, whether we're talking to a lawyer, engineering company, real estate, wherever we turn, we just see another miracle that's tied to the original miracle. And it all comes from prayer. If we hadn't prayed in the beginning, none of this would have happened. If we hadn't been people of prayer, Pastor Mark was not a person of prayer. His church was, his ministry was not, a, uh, they were not people of prayer. We wouldn't come to this place. But God, he prayed for what he needed. I prayed for what I needed. And it wasn't exactly what, what God answered. The answer wasn't exactly what I thought it would be. But when it was all said and done, it was exactly what he needed, exactly what I needed. In his epic history, The Antiquities of the Jews, the Jewish historian Josephus notes the deeds of Honi the Circle Maker, also known as Onias the Rainmaker. He wrote, Now there was one whose name was Onias, a righteous man he was, and beloved of God, who in a certain drought prayed to God to put an end to the intense heat, and whose prayers God heard and sent them rain. I love that little phrase, now there was one. It punctuates every turning point in history. In the words of Walter Wink, history belongs to the intercessors. All it takes is one person, one prayer. Like Honey, you can change the course of history with one prayer circle. In the 19th century, there was a famous evangelist named Gypsy Smith. He was born in a gypsy camp in 1860 never attended a day of school, but God used him to preach the gospel to millions of people all around the world. In fact, he never preached where he didn't see at least one conversion and often hundreds or thousands. It was Pastor Michael Hall who told me a story about Gypsy Smith that I had never heard before. And it's that story that's the inspiration behind the cover design of the Circle Maker. Well, what was his secret? Well, it was a piece of chalk. When Gypsy Smith wanted to see God do a great work, he would take a piece of chalk, and like Honey, he would draw a circle. Then he would get down on his knees and pray, Lord, send a revival and let it begin inside this circle. Then Gypsy Smith would challenge those he spoke to to do what he did, to take a piece of chalk, to draw a circle, and to pray for revival in that circle. And so let me challenge you, dream big, pray hard, think long, and draw the circle.
Okay, so you got a gift today. Now you know what it's for. People asking me in the beginning of the service, hey, what's this for? What's this all about? Now you know. Now this is not to mark up the temple. Okay? Uh, especially you guys here. Don't be marking up the seats and the stuff, okay? Don't, don't do that. This is not our house. We're using it. Maybe one day it will be, okay, as you saw. But take this home with you, okay? Take it to your spot. And as you saw, you know, draw a circle around the thing you want to see, a revival. And we're praying for a, a spiritual revival in our church this year, like one we've never seen. But I want to encourage you to draw a circle around what you want to see, and if it's you, that the revival would begin with you, and if you're in that circle. And so that's what this is for. Take it with you. And uh, I just want to recognize that we've got some answer prayers right here in our midst. Uh, you know, he's not 100% better, but uh, I, I really think it's an answer prayer of, of many weeks and, and time. Uh, Rudy Arona's here. Uh, he was here last week, but I want to recognize him. And once you guys to understand the significance of him being here, he was this close. He was this close to leaving this earth because of an infection in his liver. Uh, and I believe it was, you know, the doctors and prayer that brought him back. And, you know, we're praying for a full recovery because he's got a story to tell. And he wants to see God do incredible things through his life and his family. But, uh, and there's so many more on February 9th or February 18th. We're going to have a regional devotional here for, for all of us. And we're going to do what we've been talking about. We're going to go out on the grounds and we're going to pray for this property. Okay. And, and I'm going to encourage some of you to put your hands on this building and for some of you parents to put your hands on the building down below and put your hands on the building and pray for the building that God would give us the building. That he'll give us the property, okay? And yes, I meant what I said, give it to us, okay? It's a bold prayer, but I believe we serve a God who does incredible things. And so that's what we're going to do on, uh, on, on Tuesday night, the, the 18th, in our regional devotional. You're going to hear some incredible stories about what God's been doing so far in our series. But this isn't the end of the series. This is the beginning of history for you. For us, if we're going to go deeper and wider and longer with our prayers, because I know some of you, as we've talked about in the series, you've been struggling with certain areas of your life and you haven't been able to make a breakthrough. And so we're going to camp out on this, this part of history because it's so significant for me. When he shared about the story of Daniel in Daniel chapter 6, and I want to encourage you to read it. If you're, if you're here as a guest, and I, Ronnie, I'm going to need your help because this thing's not cooperating with me. There it is. So just in case, be ready if you would, Ronnie. Um, this story of, of Daniel chapter 6 that we're going to look at is what I saw happen. It's the fulfillment of this promise that Jesus shared in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, what happens? 
This was a, a couple of weeks after I got baptized as a college student. I was a junior in college, and man, it was a huge change in my life. I'm talking from, you know, not anything like a Christian lifestyle to completely changed. Uh, it was a stark crunch. My friends, who I kind of hung with, didn't believe it. They said, there's no way. They heard about it. They said, there's no way he did that, okay, because th that's too much, too much change. We can't believe it. And then I had to go and visit my hometown and say, yes, it's true. And they were still shocked and offended. But let me tell you this. My campus minister, he came up to me and he said, so how's it going? You've been, you know, about a week, birthday of, since your baptism. And, you know, I said, it's, it's going okay, but it's not going great. See, because I've changed a lot of things on the outside, but I'm having some real struggles with things on the inside. You know, I'm, I'm struggling with my mind. I'm struggling with my heart. I'm, I'm struggling with, with some sin here in my mind and in my heart. It's not going on on the outside. That's over. But in here, it's still, it's still the war is raging. And let me tell you how about the war. I was living on college campus, the University of South Florida, USF. They changed the name. It's not the University of South Florida. They call it the University of Sun and Fun. USF. It was a wild place to go to school, off the hook, in a, in a not moral way. It was out of control what went on in that university. I lived there 24-7, in the dorms. Try to be a Christian in that environment. It was rough. You know, and, and so I told my campus minister, I said, man, I'm having a really, really hard time. And he said, hey, remember this promise, but let me ask you, how much time are you spending in prayer? And, and just so you guys know, if you're a guest here, I wasn't a spiritual person. I wasn't a church-going person. I didn't know the Bible. I wasn't like a big prayer person. I was as out there, you know, as you could be, okay? And he says, I want to introduce you to Daniel. I said, Daniel, who's Daniel? I know a Daniel back in my hometown, but who's Daniel? Daniel, Daniel in the Bible. See, I never heard of Daniel. He says, yeah, it's in your Old Testament. Here it is. He showed it to me. I want you to read this story of Daniel in chapter 6. You can read the whole book if you want. But he said, I want you to read Daniel 6 because I want you to hear what Daniel, he was in a tough spot. He wasn't able to change some of his circumstances but he had a prayer habit that I think will change your life. And so he challenged me three times a day, not once a day, three times a day. Start to have a quiet time in the morning for 20 minutes, read and pray. Lunchtime, have another quiet time, read and pray. And then at, and, and at night, another quiet time. Three times a day, that's over the top, that's too much. I didn't say that, but I was thinking it. And so... Here was, he was telling me to do this three times a day, but you know what? I wanted to change so bad, I said, let's go. Let's do this. So I started doing it. And so we're going to read about this, and within a week, guys, I want to tell you, within a week, I saw some tremendous changes going on inside. The things I was warring with, I had them in the chokehold, and they were tapping out. And it was over. I went on a date that following weekend. 
And, you know, I had, you know, trouble looking at girls the right way and, and respecting girls because it was, I was so, so full of garbage and I passed away. I thought about girls the way I treated girls. I went on a date. And when I got home from that date, it was a celebration because I didn't think anything. I wasn't imagining anything. I wasn't making advances. I was, I was a gentleman. And for some of you, are like, wow, that's no big deal. Hey, let me tell you. The wolf that I was before, that was tremendous. And not just on the outside, but on the inside. Some of you guys have a hard time believing your minister saying this, but yes, that's who I was. I was a player. And it wasn't the good kind. You know, fathers would lock the door to their houses, keep me out, their daughters. But it was, not, it was not something I wanted to be. Guys, trust me, this is not who I wanted to be. I wasn't proud of it. I was ashamed of it. You know, I felt like an animal. And so he told me to do this, and we're going to read the story about Daniel because understand this, praying is like planting. It's huge. We have no idea how far it's going to reach. We're all about here and now. You pray for today, you pray for tomorrow, you pray for what's going on right now, but you have no idea how far this is going to reach out. That Daniel prayer that I did my first week as a disciple changed everything for me. It marked history for me as a follower of Jesus. Had I not done it, I don't know if I'd be here today. I don't know if I would have continued to follow Jesus because I would have felt like a failure and I never would have had my breakthrough that I needed. I'd have lost faith. So what we're going to read today is significant in my life. It can be, even if you're a guest here today, try this, see what God does in your life. And it very well might change your history and the history of your children. This is an apple tree. It not only feeds people once a year, it feeds people if it's cared for beyond one person's lifetime. I've planted trees in different places and moved, but that tree's still there. And what we got to see today is Daniel is like this tree. In my life, as a college follower of Jesus, Daniel's example bore fruit. I ate it and lived it thousands of years later. And I hope that you can have a bite of the tree. So let's talk about Daniel's prayer. We're going to look at it. Okay, Daniel chapter 6. This is one out of place. Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. Now, Daniel was one of the ones chosen. They had 120 leaders, and of the 120, they chose three. And of those three, Daniel was one of the three to lead the, the Medes nation. Persian Medes nation, huge powerhouse. They conquered the Babylonians. So now they were the world power. Daniel's one of the three main guys in this kingdom. And it says here about Daniel. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators, the leaders, among the administrators and the satraps, those are other leaders, by his what? Exceptional qualities. That the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Daniel, I'm going to make you the main guy. Sound familiar? Who else do we know that had this situation? 
Anybody remember in the scripture? Joseph. Joseph, wherever Joseph went, the leaders would go, I'm putting you in charge. Right out of jail, I'm putting you in charge. Daniel, I'm putting you in charge. Why? You know, and I got to share a story because uh, I bought my daughter who's here. She started college right away, and she got a job immediately when she started college there at Starbucks on Cal Poly. And I said, so how'd you get that job so quick? She said, because I know people. <laughs> and my son's trying to get a job in his college. No job. Guess why? Doesn't know people. <laughs> How do you think Daniel got this job? Because he knew someone. He had a relationship with someone. And that someone distinguished him. That someone made, helped him be exceptional. And see, you got to understand, if you want your life to be exceptional, and you want to be distinguished, you got to know someone. You got to be in a relationship with someone. And this is something significant, guys, that we've been doing on this prayer, this prayer series is you have to have a relationship with God. And when you know him and you're known by him, things start to happen. Now, here's the interesting thing. The administrators who he worked with, they didn't like him. It says this, at this, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. They didn't like him going to the top. You know, and that's just like any work situation. I don't like the fact that you're going to the top. What about me? And so they looked for things, but they were unable to do so. They could find what? No corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. They tried to find some dirt on Daniel. Couldn't find any. Any reason why they couldn't find any? I mean, if you wanted to find things about me and my character, I'm sure you could. He didn't return his phone calls right away. I try, I try. Doesn't return an email right away. And, you know, things happen. The other day I got a parking ticket because I didn't register my car on time. And, hey, you're going to find some imperfections in my life. But this, this is incredible. And I believe it was because Daniel had a really close relationship with God and God worked on him and he allowed God to work on him. Some of you are stumbling along because you're not allowing God to work on you. You like being you too much. And somebody's after you to bring you down. And it's working. And you're discouraged and you're angry. And so they couldn't find anything. Finally, these men said, we'll never find anything for basis for charges against this, this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Sound familiar? Hey, let me tell you this. You set yourself up to be a Christian, a true follower of Jesus in this world, people don't like it. The PTBs, the powers that be, don't like it. You think you're Christian? 
and they probably put you on blast. They say, well, you must believe that all oh, homosexuals are bad, or you must, you must believe this, and you're judgmental, and you're this, and you're that. Automatically, you're on the, you're on the defense. I've had people say, you've actually believed this? I say, cover to cover. But here's the difference. It's not about the outside. It's about my faith and my, my, my relationship with God. But people are going to check you. They're going to they're try to find something on you, and they're going to try to find something with this, the law of your God. So fast forward the story a little bit. They instituted a law, and they had the king sign it. Darius is his name. And they said, Darius, we want to do a 30-day campaign where no one can worship any god except you. You are, and this happened all the time with kings. They'd always set themselves up as the man or the god, and they wanted everyone to look to them. They're the great provider of everything. Food comes from them. Governance comes from them. They are the one, and it's happened over and over again. Even some of our presidents here in this country have set themselves up as the man. Let me tell you, there's nobody who can set himself up as a god. There's only one. Okay, they may be good, got some qualities, but... And so then they went after him. And then they passed this law that Darius thought, okay, yeah, I want to be the man. And it's a good thing to do because it consolidates the kingdom. It, it, it brings everything together on one head. So he said, sure. But he had no idea how this was going to affect Daniel. So we read on. In verse 10, we see here what happened. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home up to his upstairs room, and we saw this in the video, where the window was open towards Jerusalem. Three times he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. So what's this tell you about it? Was this a new campaign for Daniel? Mm -mm. It was new for me. And whenever I get into tight situations, this, this is what I do. But something that I've seen through this series is I want to do this on a regular basis like Daniel. I want to have a regular prayer habit of three a days. Why? Because I need God in my life. And he opened the window towards Jerusalem. A lot of you guys don't know this, but this is a promise that King Solomon said, whenever somebody's in trouble and they pray towards what? The temple in Jerusalem, God hear them. And God said, I will hear them. So that's why he did this. He did it three times a day. Okay, why would you do it three times a day? Guess what you do every day? Some of you do it more. Okay, you eat three times a day. Why? Because we've been trained to do that. Why do you eat three times a day? Some of you, it's getting late. You're like, okay, I need to eat again. <laughs> you just ate. You walked in eating. Okay, and then the leaders, you guys, for sure, you're going to eat in a minute. But you eat regularly. Why is that? Because you think you need it. You don't really need it, but you think you need it. You can go a little longer. You could probably get away with two-a-days and be just fine. Wouldn't that be something? But we, but we would pray three times a day if we saw we really needed it. Guess what I see? I need it. The more I look at this, I go, I need this. My family needs it. My marriage needs it. 
My, my, my ministry needs it. We need it. What could happen if I started doing this on a regular basis? Then in verse 11, these men went up, they went as a group and found Daniel. I don't think he was hiding. They didn't have to look very hard. The window's open. The door was open. He's out there. Let me tell you something. What have people found you doing? Parents, what have your children found you doing? I got no problem. My kids have walked in on me many times when I've been on my knees praying to my God. Do they see that in your life as a parent? Even teens, you know, what do, I, you know, what do, what do they see you at school doing, you know, during lunch break? You know, have you ever gone off to pray and ask God for help because you're having a hard day at school? God, I need your help. And then they find you. People find you. And I believe this, guys. I think we need to develop a prayer habit so that people can see us because guess what happens? And we're going to see it in this story. People knew where to find Daniel, what he would be doing at this particular time. It says something about him. We read on. And so more what happened. Fast forward the story. They caught him. They said, here's the decree, king. You got to come through. It's your decree. You put your seal on it, your stamp on it, so you got to enact the law. What was the law? If anyone prays to any other god besides the king, you're going to get thrown in the lion's den. When the king found out this was going to affect Daniel, look what it says. The king heard this, and he was greatly distressed. This is his boy. This is his second in command. He was doing a great job. He was determined to rescue Daniel. He was going to get Daniel out of prison and made every effort until sundown to save him, but he couldn't because it was his law. He put a signature on it. He got put in a trap. And I'm sure he didn't feel good about it, but he couldn't change it. So they threw Daniel in the, in the lion's den. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. Now, the lion's den, they usually threw people in during meal times for the lions. So what's going to happen? The king said to Daniel, now this is, this is really cool that he said this. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. What's that tell you about the king's faith? Where do you get that faith? Have you ever had somebody come up to you and say, hey, Pharaoh, will you pray for me? I'm going through a tough time, and I know you continually serve God. Will you pray for me? I get this all the time. People come up to me and they say, hey, will you pray for me? Why do they ask me for prayers? because they see I'm doing it. Have you, ever, have you high school students ever had somebody come up to you and say, hey, will you pray for me? I mean, you can't get a better compliment than that when somebody walks up to you and says, hey, will you pray for me? You know why? Because they're saying, you got something going on and I need your help and I need you to talk to your God because I believe he can help me. Don't minimize what you do and the way you live. Your life speaks faith to people around you. And it's important that you live the life because people are counting on you 
to maybe get them out of a tough situation. So I, I, I hope and I, may your God do this. This is kind of his prayer. So the stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den and the king was, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. His fate is sealed. That's the significance of it. Can't change it. And they put a rock over it. Now, you got, you got to put yourself in this situation. You're Daniel. You're locked into the lion's den at mealtime. But here's the thing. Anyone, and I love what he said in the video, anyone who stops, drops on his knees, everything changes. There are no rules anymore. Everything is possible. Anything is possible when somebody prays. The laws of gravity could change. The laws of thermodynamics can change. Everything changes when we pray. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating. What's he doing here? He's not eating. What's he doing here? He's fasting. Why would he fast? He's humbling himself. And it says here, without eating or entertainment. Hey, no music videos today. Okay? No American Idol performances, nothing, nothing. This is a desperate situation. Turn the TV off, turn the computer off, turn the phone off. This is, a, this is a king, a pagan king doing this. He's desperate. And he understands Daniel's in a tough spot. And he could not sleep. He stayed up all night. Now, I love this part here. This is a, the, this a picture. I love the picture that they showed in the video. When, when the, the picture they had, Daniel was holding, had, a, had his hand on one of the lions, like you would one of your dogs. You know, good dog. I mean, that's awesome. But I love this picture because here's Daniel surrounded by lions, and they're drooling, dude. And they're, they're you know, they're, they're growling. They're, they're, they're doing it. Ah, you know. And every time they do it, you know, ah, you know, that could be the one. But what's he doing? He's praying. What are you doing? There's stuff going on in your life. There's going on around. What are you doing? What are you focused on? Are you, are you praying to God? Hey, I'm, I'm feeling threatened. I'm feeling, I'm feeling, you know, my life is on, on the edge here. Are you put, praying through? I love this. Then the next day, when it came, when he came the next morning, king, first thing in the morning, he's out the door and he runs he runs to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called Daniel. Now, he's talking to a dead man. Why would he call out to a dead man? What's it tell you about the king? He had some faith. He had some faith. Where did he get his faith from? Where did you get your faith from? Somebody else gave you faith in God. And guess what? You are giving faith somebody else by the way you live. You need to stop living your life like you're small and significant. You are significant. Someone is getting faith from you. Daniel was giving the king faith. He's talking to a dead man in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God. Now he's got faith that God is not dead, but God is living 
Has your God, whom you serve continually, he repeats it, has he been able to rescue from the lions? He's got a question. I love this part. And then Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent an angel. Do you believe in angels? I do. I've never seen an angel, but I believe in him because the Bible says, God sent an angel to me. And he shut the mouths of the lions. He put, he put a muzzle on the lions, each one of them. Could you imagine that? Each one of these lions, and the angel just settled down. I mean, it's such an incredible thing. And then it says here, he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in whose sight? Righteousness means a lot. When you fight to do what's right, God takes note, and he will defend you. But if you're messing around, you're taking a very high risk. Daniel was heard by God because he was innocent, and he was innocent of this situation. Nor have I been done any wrong before you, king, and your majesty. The king was overjoyed. They threw a party. He gave orders to lift him and Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out from the den, no wound was found on him because he did what? He trusted in his God. No lion's hair. He was clean because he did what? He trusted in God. This is for you and for me. If we trust in God, what's he going to do for us? He's going to protect us. He's going to rescue you. you know how many times God has rescued me in 29 years? I mean, I, I, I can't even remember all the times, but there's so many times. I've lived in some of the most dangerous cities in the world, bombs going off in these cities, and he rescued us. We were staying in a hotel in our first mission trip to Bogota, Colombia, and there was a shooting going on in the house. Somebody was shooting at somebody else, and we got little kids, and the mission team is there, and we're all huddled in a room. And we're like, there's gunfire going off. And so what do we do? God. And he did. No one was harmed. Someone could have been shot that night. But he rescued us in some of the most dangerous, dangerous situations. So, what happens? Then the king issues a decree. Now, here's where his faith is, is big. You have faith. You spread your faith. Here's what the king did. He wrote a letter to all the nations of the world. And this is what he wrote. For he is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He basically understands my kingdom is going to come to an end, but God's kingdom will never end ever. And here's what he says in conclusion. He says, he rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He did what? He rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. What's this letter mean? What's the king doing? He's evangelizing. He sent out an evangelism letter. Let me just tell you who God is. 
Hey, when God's in your life, you're going to tell people about it. You're going to write letters. You're going to send out tweets. You're going to tweet people, God is working in my life. You're going to put it on Facebook. You're going to put it on Instagram. God is working in my life, and I want people to know about it. I want people to know that he rescues, and he saves, and he performs signs and wonders. Guess what our Unleash Your Success is all about? You're going to have three people, high-powered people, an MD, okay, head of his department, chairman of his department. He's going to talk about what at the Unleash Your Success? Yeah, some professional skills and how to be more organized and different things. But guess what he's going to say? Let me just sum it up for you. Okay, and you can hear it from him. Here's what he's going to say. He rescues, he saves, he performs, and I am who I am. Got another guy, Gib Bosworth. He's vice president, GE Capital. Heavy hitter, aero, aerospace department. You don't want to know what they're working on. But he's, he's up there, man. And he's going to say the same thing. You know how I got to be where I am as a dad, as a husband? Because of my God. Okay? It's going to be an incredible event. You want people to be there. You want people to hear their story and how God elevated them. Let me say this. God wants to elevate you. I don't know what your situation is, but he wants to elevate your life. If you will follow Daniel's plan. He wants to elevate his church. But some of you are living on a low level simply because you will not drop a knee and you will not draw a circle. How's God going to help you? How's he going to rescue you? How's he going to speak through you? So starting today, it's the end of our series. I want to encourage you, get that prayer habit and hold that prayer habit and deal with, there's some stuff going on in your life, deal with that today and pray through it so it can be over and you can break those habits and break those lifestyles. Let's wrap this up because it's late. I want to encourage you to make your circle. Stay with your prayer habit and increase it. Draw your circle and pray for a revival. Take your, take your chalk home with you. Find a place, okay, and draw your circle. And pray for a revival within that circle, okay? And then the last thing is dream big, pray hard, think long, and draw your circle. Because why? Listen, what you do now is going to affect your children. And now some of you know this. Some of the bad things that you've done have affected your children. You, some of you have been affected by your parents and some of the bad things that they did. It's left scars in your life. You have the opportunity starting today to change history because people are counting on you. You don't even know who you are going to be with in the future. You haven't even... Been, and this is, this is my challenge in this whole series is I pray for my children... I don't pray for my grandchildren. And I'm going to start doing that because my prayers can reach far into the future. That's right. And that's what we need to understand. They're going to outlive us. What we're doing in this church is going to outlive us if we pray like this. 
And the last thing is, I want to enjoy you. Tomorrow, the staff, some of the staff, we're going to start a Daniel fast. Okay, you can read about it, go on the internet. It's basically fruits and vegetables. No meat. We're going to do it for 10 days. If you want to join us, come along. We're going to be hungry. Okay? Because I like meat. And no, no yeast. Uh, some of the Daniel diets are a little different. We're going to go low on the, on the wheat. Okay? And, and so I'm going to invite you if you want to do it. Maybe not this week, next week. I want to encourage you to do a fast. Okay? To cry out to God so that he can do a revival in your life. Some of you may have some, some, some diet challenges or some, you know, some things. You work through what you've got to do. Do some type of fast. Fast from TV. Fast from your phone. Lay it down a day, okay? Done. No phone for a day. I mean, some of you guys can't even go a couple minutes without the service. You know what I'm talking about? You're doing it right now. Been doing most of the service. Take a break. It might just clear your mind, and God might just start doing some incredible things in your life. Amen? You with me? So I invite you. We're going to pray for the communion, okay? We're going to pray for the communion, and then guess what? We're going to have a baptism, okay, at the end. Because God's been answering some prayers. So let's pray for the communion, and we'll wrap up our service. Pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for today. Thank you for the privilege that we have to pray to Jesus. Thank you that he's not on the cross, but he's in heaven, sitting on a throne next to you. But Father, at this time when we take communion, we remember what Jesus did for us. We remember his death. Remember his blood. Remember his suffering so that we could start over. God, I want you to know I'm extremely grateful for Jesus and what he did for me because I was way out there. I was lost, still need a lot of help. Father, please forgive us. Help us, God, to be what we can be for you and to turn ourselves in and allow you to use us to speak faith in the people around us. Father, we love you. Thank you. Bless this communion. Give us a brand new start. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.